Mom, do you remember my first wedding to my teddy bear husband, Bloomy? <laughs> sure. So adorable. Well, I, you probably remember that more than I. I just remember it from photos. Yeah, you were pretty young. I mean, how, how was the wedding? Could you tell if it was a good match or not between me and Bloomy? I mean, he's quite the silent type. Yes, definitely. But um, he, he, I think he was a good dancer. He's a great dancer. Yeah. And he has my favorite quality in a dance partner. He let me lead. <laughs> Do you feel... Do you feel... Confused to doubt on your luck. You got a big life question. I feel kind of stuck. Maybe you could use an encouraging hug or an extra heaping dose of some motherly love. Well, I'd like to introduce you to my mama bee. She's a therapist with a PhD. Prepare yourself to feel a lot more calm, cause it's time for advice from mom. So today's question is also kind of about a dance of sorts. It's um, it's about a relationship. Yep. Mom, I know yep. you love metaphors and you love dancing. And relationships are truly a dance. Yes. And we have a guest today who brings this dancing relationship metaphor to new heights. But first, we need to hear from this listener because in their letter, they outline a dance that sounds like it's been going on for a very long time. And maybe the dancers are stepping on each other's feet just a little bit. <laughs> um, that is a nice metaphor. And it fits very well. To continue that metaphor, I would say the, the writer of this letter is definitely looking for a new song. So maybe <laughs> we can give her a new song today. Well, we can suggest some choices for our new songs. That's the psychologist's way of putting it. But before we jump onto the dance floor, just remember that this podcast is for informational purposes only. It's not intended for diagnosis or treatment of any medical or psychological condition. All treatment decisions should be made in partnership with your health professional. Time to swing your partner round and round. Here is today's listener question. Dear Mama B. I'm a pretty successful entrepreneur, and my husband is very talented and often employed. I would like the big stuff, like a house, regular vacations, and to send my kids to college. Looks like I might be the only one in the relationship financially geared to be able to afford those things. Although I love him dearly, my husband is not a self-promoting fellow, and this can lead me to feel a bit bitter about footing the bill. A few additional things to know about me. I'm middle-aged. I have a history of an abusive father. My husband is super nice. He seems to lack enthusiasm about shooting for the stars and achieving glory and financial compensation. I don't want to ruin the kids' lives by breaking up. I don't want to fool myself that there is someone better who comes with a different load of baggage. I can be difficult to live with, and said husband is very calming and accepting. Even though there is financial disparity, I still do a large portion of the housework and childcare. My husband, however, is a good handyman and means well. Thank you for any advice you might have regarding my dilemma. Signed, Frustrated Sugar Mama. Thank you for this thoughtful question, Sugar Mama. I'm excited for you to get some advice from my mom. Hello, Sugar Mama. 
And thank you so much for sending us this question. I want to tell you that you've done a couple of things very right. You've picked the right kind of man. He is super nice in your words. He's calm and accepting. And you, I believe, need a man who is your rock. You may not think of him that way, but I'm going to invite you to consider some of his characteristics and that they might be helpful to you at, at times. The advantage of having a husband like yours is that he can help you heal. The second thing that I think you've done right is that you are not considering divorce. So you say, don't want to fool myself that there is someone better out there who comes with a different load of baggage. And of course, we always take our problems with us. Uh, and that means if we move across the country or if we get a divorce and look for a new mate, um, we take our problems with us. And it is part of human nature that we feel dissatisfied with people around us at, at some point uh, in our existence. And when that happens, we are tempted to imagine how much better it, it would be if that person was more like me. After all, I'm doing it right. Why can't he or she be like me? So we shorten it for BLM. So be like me is pretty universal. We all have that inclination. But if you succumb to that urge and try to fix him or her, you risk damaging the relationship. So the third thing is that you, it sounds to me like you're not trying to fix him. That's a very good thing. And to address your dilemma, I strongly suggest that first you take the Kiersey temperament type sorter or the Myers-Briggs inventory. Either one is fine. So first you should take it and find out what your temperament type is, and then you should give it to your husband. And most people have fun with this and get great benefit from taking the uh, questionnaires. Um, so it'll help you to understand yourself and understand him. But you are a workhorse, and you're resentful about it. You, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure, have no time to relax and no opportunity to grow personally or emotionally or even spiritually. And that's a problem, and you are aware of that problem. So implied in your question is, how do I get over this resentment? And that brings me to a topic that might surprise you, um, but I'm going to make reference to your note that your father was abusive. And it may seem strange for me to focus on just one factor out of so many in, that are present in your life, but uh, there is a tremendous amount of evidence 
about the damaging effects of childhood abuse as we grow into adulthood. And so one of the interesting observations that many therapists have made is that adult survivors of childhood abuse often do not see any kind of connection between what happened to them in childhood and their adult relationships. And yet there's tons of evidence that indicates a very strong connection between the two. So I'm going to talk about a book. I'm often talking about bibliotherapy. Read a book. The book is called Toxic Parents, Overcoming Their Hurtful Legacy and Reclaiming Your Life. It's by uh, Dr. Susan Forward. And I've found that many abuse survivors have used this book as a self-help guide. And for some, a book like this can open up kind of a new world. And I, I know I've had experience with some books like that, and boy, they really changed my head around. So for, for those people who can use this book to open up a, a new world in which the, they, as an, a survivor, can normalize and heal. So, Sugar Mama, in spite of the fact that I don't know about the extent of what happened to you in your childhood, I would assume that it has had some impact on you, and maybe the challenge for you is to learn more about what impact it has had, especially on your adult relationships. Of course, I'm talking about you and your husband. And if you can do that, it might free you up to focus more on the here and the now of healing those resentments toward, toward your husband instead of trying to change him. And of course, the old adage we can't change the other person. We can only change ourselves. So I'm not saying that this is an easy method, that is to change your perceptions, your fears, and your current day stress. But I suggest it as one possibility, and certainly a good one if you are planning to go ahead in a sort of a self-help manner. So Rebecca, I, I very well may have taken this uh, question and answer in a different direction than you might have expected me to take it. Um, so I'm curious about your, your inputs on this. So I guess it's pickleball time. Let's play mother-daughter pickleball. And, and real quick for our listeners who don't know, Mother Daughter Pickleball is the part of the show where I ask my mom follow-up questions about her advice. Um, and some, sometimes I have to give her a hard time, make a little fun, have a little fun with her, because I'm the daughter, and that's what daughters do. Right, Mom? Yeah, I guess they do. And um, then my job is to embarrass you at every turn and to tell you to shut the hell up when you're inappropriate. <laughs> And then, like, when my mom says things like BLM, I have to say, Mom, let's start there for just a minute. 
and point out that uh, BLM sa- saves no time over saying be like me. Yes, but I like acronyms. You know that. And also the worst part about it is that like it's a command, be like me. So it's not like you're, I mean, it's not something you want to keep secret. You're not going to be like, <laughs> well, I want that person to know BLM, you know? <laughs> It's more efficient to just say, be like me. Maybe the person is embarrassed that they want to change their mate. An embarrassing case of BLM. <laughs> Leave it to you to overdramatize it. Mm-hmm. But on a more serious note, I think what you're suggesting to frustrated sugar mama is that she actually challenge herself to do some really hard work and address what sounds to you like deeply buried underlying issues from her childhood. Yes. Yes, I am suggesting that. I get the feeling that Sugar Mama is already, she already feels like she's doing so much work. (laughs) Uh, And you acknowledge that as well, that when you say that she probably is feeling like a workhorse. Um, But what would you say if she says she feels like this is going to be like one more big thing for her to take on. Like now she has to also work on like processing her childhood in addition to all the like daily work she has to do. It's a really good point. And um, let me be more clear. This is one of those examples where it's good to understand where the problem originated. An abusive childhood can really have a huge impact on relationships as as an adult, but the work that she has to do may not be on her childhood at all. It might be more on what she's thinking about her husband today. So I'm hoping that she'll understand him better and um, relate to him differently. So at the the very least, um, some one-to-one therapy would help her to face some of the, I don't know if it's hard work. I, most people say that once they get into therapy, it's, it's just such a relief to be listened to, to be understood, to be acknowledged. And that's part of the healing. Well, I think this is great because we have a second opinion that looks at this same issue in a very different way. Great. So we'll still be looking at the couple, but a different set of approaches for how to make progress in a relationship. Wonderful. Yeah. And get this. This second opinion comes from someone who is also named Dr. Sue, Hmm. but not the Dr. Sue who wrote the book Toxic Parents. This is another Dr. Sue. But which Dr. Sue, you ask? Is it the Dr. Sue who is such a celebrated therapist that she basically was knighted in the country of Canada? You'll find out after this short break. Zola, Zola, Zola. Brian and 
I started planning our wedding, I was a bit skeptical about even having a registry. But a friend gave me some good advice. If you don't have a registry, your wedding guests are still going to get you stuff. It just might very well be stuff you don't want. So Brian and I registered with Zola and picked out a bunch of stuff we would totally want. So I can attest to Zola's beautiful easiness and free shipping and returns and matchy-matchy price-matchy. Looking back at our Singers in Love Zola page, I can tell you that it is now a who's who of what's in our kitchen. Everything from the ceramic Hanukkah we used last week, yeah, we were a little late on Hanukkah, to the Han Solo ice tray that we use all the time. Star Wars fans, well, yeah, you can put it all on your Zola registry. So join us and the 500,000 other couples who have used Zola. To start your free wedding website or registry on Zola, go to zola.com slash pickleball. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash pickleball. In our, in our quest to provide diverse opinions, we also have diverse... Dr. Seuss. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I know, Mom, you referenced this book called Toxic Parents by Dr. Susan Forward, which I don't mean to make jump to conclusions, but I assume she's a Dr. Sue. And for our second opinion today, we also have a Dr. Susan who goes by Dr. Sue, Dr. Sue Johnson. Great. Mom, I have to tell you, you are not the only psychologist I've talked to who is excited about Advice for mom having Dr. Sue Johnson on it. Well, good. Good. Yeah. So uh, she is apparently known to be a hoot in the psychologist community. My therapist was really excited. I think I rose to new levels of fame telling her that I was talking to Dr. Sue Johnson this week. Yeah. Um, that school of therapy is very, very popular and has been very popular for many years. Yeah. And she's going to talk a little bit more about what that school of therapy means. But just to tell you right up front, She wrote this amazing book that's called Hold Me Tight, which is about how couples communicate and how couples can improve their communication and their relationship. And she's big on the science. She's had 35 years of research uh, with couples to back up her findings, which is a really amazing element of a long career. I agree. And uh, Dr. Sue Johnson won Psychologist of the Year from the American Psychological Association, which I think sounds like a giant coup because she is from Canada. I didn't know that, but it is very impressive. Yeah, she's a Canadian. This was our first international recording session. We had uh, someone in Victoria, British Columbia, record her in her home. We're going to hear from her. Oh, cool. And... um, I also have to point out that she, when I gave her a little bit of a hard time about being a Canadian who won the American Psychological Association Award, she did point out she's also been awarded the Order of Canada, which is basically like the highest honor a Canadian can get from the Canadian government. So she's like basically the like, like the Canadian equivalent of a knight. International star. She's an international psychological star. <laughs> oh, I'm so I'm so excited to hear her input. So frustrated, sugar mama. The word that stuck out for me was bitter. I hear that you're pulling more than your weight financially and that you're upset and disappointed and bitter about that. That really struck me. And I also get that this does worry you. But what also struck me is you don't really tell me whether you ever turn and talk to your husband about this. 
because if not, it's kind of like you're dealing with this all in your head. I'm wondering if he even if he even knows that you feel bitter and upset about this. What you tell me about him is very interesting. It sounds like in some ways he's a good partner or he wants to be a good partner, but somehow you're missing each other with the fact that you are taking, from your point of view, taking care of finances more than he is. But it seems to me like I don't know what happens when you guys try to talk to each other about this. Do you, you know, does he try to listen and you try to tell him, I'm upset, why am I doing all the housework? How come you aren't earning more money? Is that how it goes? Um, that's the usual pattern that distressed couples get caught in in our society. We call it the protest polka. Other people call it demand withdraw, right? Other people um, just point out that it it sounds like criticism from one person and the other person defends or withdraws. And it's the dance that people get caught in that really makes it hard for them to be close and feel safe together. For example, we know that when we are upset with our partner and we can't go soft and talk about our fears or our needs, what we usually do is we step into criticism and we send rejection messages. And what we know from research is that because we are social bonding animals and we need to count on others and be close, getting rejection messages from someone you love is processed in the same part of your brain and in the same way as stepping on a nail. It's, it's basically dangerous and painful. Your brain processes that rejection message in the same way and in the same part of the brain as physical pain. So, you know, couples don't understand that when they get in this dreadful pattern where they end up poking and criticizing, right, and bitter is a good word here, right, when people feel bitter and unheard and unimportant, their needs aren't being met, they get critical, and they, they're trying to sort of make their partner respond to them. What they don't understand is the more critical they get, the less chance they have of their partner hearing them because their partner is just dealing with all these danger cues and usually trying to shut them out or run away or avoid them. So if you're a regular couple in this dance, you end up feeling like not cared about, not held, protected, like your needs don't matter, um, are kind of alone and abandoned, and he ends up, if he's a regular husband, listening to you be critical of him, and he ends up feeling rejected and like he can't please you, and he kind of gives up on, on really close communication. And once that starts to happen, you guys show each other less affection, less touch, you start to take less risks with each other emotionally, you start to not make love so often, this pattern sort of devours relationships. It predicts divorce. The way home in, in love relationships is to understand how you get stuck and emotionally disconnected and learning how to turn back towards each other and emotionally connect. So that's a very particular kind of communication. So usually when a couple say to me, we have a communication problem, I, inside I go, well, yeah, of course, but I have no idea what that means. Show me. You know, show me 
how you dance together. Show me how you scare each other. Show me where you're stuck in terms of being open and supportive and responsive to each other so that you'd be able to start a negative conversation about all this and he would be able to turn and say to you, hey, you know what, um, sugar mama, this is, we're caught in this dance. And what I'm hearing is you don't think I'm listening to you, you don't think I care, and you're starting to feel bitter. And I don't want you to feel that way. Let's come on, let's have coffee, let's talk about this. And then once you had that sort of platform of safety between the two of you, we'd help you turn and have what we call a hold me tight conversation. And we, really what a hold me tight conversation is, is you um, or and him, but let's start with you, <laughs> you talking about your fears, being able to say, I get really worried that I can't count on you, that, you know, you're not going to make sure we have the money to send our kids to college, that that I'm going to be end up doing all the chores, that somehow I'm, I, I'm not sure I feel really taken care of here and I get worried and I feel like you don't listen to me. And then we'd help you talk about what you need, you know, in that situation, the other side of your fears, if you like. What this conversation does is it creates emotional connection. That is the basis of a good relationship. You know, in the end, relationships aren't about an economic deal. They're not about costs and, and rewards. They're about this special feeling of connection. And, you know, all the evidence, and there's hundreds of studies on this, we really do understand what love's about now. We really do have a science of bonding. And all the evidence is that if you can have this kind of bonding, close, trusting, reassuring conversation, that that um, not only makes you happy in your relationship, it makes you stronger and more confident and more able to go out into the world and meet your life goals. It will help your husband go out into the world and, you know, meet his, maybe make more money if that's, you know, what he understands is important, right? It will help you feel stronger. Um, certainly you won't get caught in that bitterness, the bitterness that somehow you're not getting what you need in this relationship. And we don't need people to be perfect and we don't need people to solve all our problems. What we do need is for people to be emotionally present with us. And that was Dr. Sue Johnson. Okay, Mom, so between your advice and Dr. Johnson's advice, we have given this sugar mama some work to do. <laughs> so I thought it might be a little productive to add some structure so we have your suggestion of the Toxic Parents book. We have Dr. Sue Johnson's book, Hold Me Tight. And Dr. Sue told me about an interactive program that she's offering to couples. So we'll link to that in the show notes. It sounds fascinating. So Dr. Sue has been developing this over years with her research, and, and mostly she's been leading workshops in person. But now this interactive program allows people around the world to improve their relationships with the principles of Hold Me Tight. So I'm feeling pretty optimistic for Frustrated Sugar Mama because I think now she has a bunch of new dance steps that she can try out. Right. And um, let me say uh, let me say to her that um, 
she has choices here, you know, and uh, all the experts in the world can suggest things, but if it doesn't fit, if your inner voice says, no, that's not for me, for sure, it's not for you. So she, she has choices. That's exactly why we go to a second opinion, to contradict what you just said. <laughs> Thank you so much, dear. I want to thank Frustrated Sugar Mama for sending us this juicy question. I really hope that your frustrations are soon relieved. And thank you to all our listeners for listening and reviewing the show and telling your friends, especially around the holidays. That could be a warm hug to know you care when you tell someone about the show. So stay tuned for our next episode with a letter that comes from someone who signs their name, Architecting an Artful Exit. And we're going to have an announcement related to that show as well. We're taking a little bit of time off to have um, a relaxing holiday, but we'll be back in your podcast feed in the new year, a year older. Actually, yeah, I'm going to be 35 like this week. And Juliet, our producer, also has her birthday. I'm not going to tell you how old she is because I don't know if I'm allowed to. That seems weird to reveal her age, but just know we're both Capricorns. See you in the new year. Advice for Mom is a production of Wise Ones Advice Services. It's produced by Juliet Heinley and me, Rebecca Garza-Bortman. Editing by Juliet Heinley. Mixing and mastering by Jake Young. Dr. Johnson's interview was recorded in wild and wonderful British Columbia by awesome and awesomer Katie Sage. Audio assistance by Brian Garza. Our music is by my band, Love Jerks. One of my friends said... Well, I went to Catholic school, and what I learned is to lay low and stay away from the nuns when they were angry. Hmm. So it's just, I, I think, just kind of a, a habit, a self-protective habit. Was that just a pun? Uh, it, I, it was unconscious. Talking about nuns and then talking about habits? Mom, straight to the top with your puns. You could do, be in a pun-off with that kind of language. Um, not this week, okay? <laughs>